Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. A reading from Genesis, the first chapter. Listen to the word of the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And now from Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. This is the word of the Lord. Who here grew up going to summer camps? I'm just curious. Who here grew up going to summer camps? All right, so one of my favorite things about summer camp is the first day when everyone arrives to the camp I love it because everyone is trying to gauge who each other are. Everyone's trying to put each other into boxes. You're trying to figure out as, as a guy, like, which one is the alpha male out of the camp, you know? All the, all, all the guys are checking out the girls. All the girls are checking out the counselors. <laughs> it's a sad truth. And everyone's just trying to, you know, trying to figure out who each other are. I, and there are times where, and I've experienced this, where at camp you actually try out different personas, you know, because no one knows you throughout the rest of the, of the, of the year, so you can try out a different identity. I had an experience uh, with that one time. Uh, there was about half a year where I lived in Germany. I was doing Young Life Ministry uh, in Germany, and I was coming back to the States. And while I was there, <clears throat> I grew out my hair really long, and I bought a lot of tank tops that were really, really tight. You would like to see a picture? Don't have one. Not going to show it. Uh, and so as I was coming back to the States, I was asked to be a speaker uh, for the fresh, or freshman orientation camp at A&M called Fish Camp. And uh, as I was going into camp, I was thinking to myself, no one knows that, I, uh, that I'm the speaker at this last night. And I also have this, like, I have this superhero trait where I look 10 years younger at all times. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to be a German foreign exchange student named Dieter at this camp. And I wonder how long I can let this thing play out. And so I took my hair that could be turned into an automatic wig, and I just kind of combed it over and put on my tight tank tops. And I was Dieter. And I showed up with my German accent. And uh, at first, none of the, the freshmen, none of the 18-year-old freshmen had any clue what to do with me. And uh, every once in a while, I was like a novelty, like where they'd come up to me and ask me a question, like, oh, Dieter, what's your favorite band? And I'd be like, 
Have you heard of the Limp Biscuit? <laughs> and they, oh, Limp Biscuit's his favorite band. And, and I'd stop sometimes, I'd stop a conversation and go, what is this frito pie you speak of? You know, and, and all of a sudden what happened was Dieter was starting getting, he got really popular. And I remember actually, we were at this dance and I was doing a little German, you know, dance. And this girl behind me, unsure that I could speak, you know, like great English, said, I actually kind of think that Dieter's hot. <laughs> Do you know how many times in my life I've been called hot? Or even kind of hot? Once. One time. Uh, so it was the last night of camp, and, and the, the camp director introduced me. And it was like, we, uh, there's a, a special speaker tonight. His name is Mark. And I remember thinking, I've never been more loved as I was as a Dieter at camp. Never more loved. And I remember when he was introduced me, I was like, I'm not getting up. I'm just going to let this go. Uh, It was just so fun to just try out a different identity, to be someone different. And I think in many ways that that kind of taps onto something that we have as part of a human nature of wanting just to start over. Wanting a fresh beginning that you're untethered to issues and your history and the box that people have put you in. And you just want a fresh start, new beginning. I think this is why every January we come up with all of these improvements to our life. And we believe that, man, maybe I can be different this year. Maybe I can be someone, improved version of myself. I think this is also why some people have this midlife crisis experience because they feel so bound into the specific life with a certain trajectory that you're going. And, and it's almost like tempting just to pull a bail cord to, to, to just be someone different for a, a change, to feel less stuck. I think we are people with a, an affliction for this, a, to have newness of life, to start over. I know that that's a deep longing for many of us to have a fresh start. Maybe for you today, maybe you are experiencing that longing in your own life. Maybe it's a fresh start in your marriage or in a relationship. You just wish you could push push a reset button. Or maybe it's in your career. You feel like you're now on this train and it's moving too fast and it's going that direction. It's too fast for you to jump off. Or maybe it's in your family. You just, you just know the dynamics of your family are so entrenched and you just wish you could start over. Or maybe it's, it's just in your relationship with Christ. Maybe you just are longing for a fresh, clean start with Jesus. If that's any part of your impulse, any part of your what's going on inside of you, this series, Beginnings, is for you. We actually did this series in 2017, and for many in our community, it was a uh, really profound experience. And we, in talking to some people, we said, you know, this might be a good time for us to come back to this and to relearn this together and to practice this together. Because I also know that we still have longings for beginnings in our life. God longs to partner with people so that they can experience a transformed life. And a transformed life is more than experiencing a change, a tweak, and for God to just kind of alter your life a little bit. God is into the business of transforming lives, to making lives new again. You see, God loves to come to people who are longing for a fresh start and for God to share his transforming work where we can be born again. We can experience new life again. 
God has this ability to do that over and over again. You could even look at Scripture as a, as, a, as a history of how God has this transforming, renewing work, coming to people who were stuck and setting them free to a new life. God, over and over again, would come to people who were stuck in shame or in healthy habits or in oppression or in sorrow or in empty religion, and God would make them unstuck. God would show up and begin to begin this new chapter in their life. So today we're going to look at the first day of creation as a theme for us in this first week of this sermon series and to look at the, the story of Moses to see how God breaks in and causes new beginnings. So the story for us begins in Genesis 1 verses 1 and 2, the very first two verses of our whole scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Before the beginning of all things, before the even beginning of time, there was God. And God goes before all beginnings. God is there. But what else we see here in the beginning of all of the Genesis, the creation, what we find there is that the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface. That before the beginnings, there was emptiness, formlessness, chaos. That the actual Hebrew word for that is tohu vavohu. Would you, all, you guys want to say it, don't you? Let's say it together. Tohu vavohu. So before any beginnings, there was this tohu vavohu, this emptiness, this darkness. So this experience of tohu vavohu might be indicative of your life right now. It might, it might illustrate your life right now. It might feel a bit dark. Maybe your life feels a little formless and chaotic. If so, tune, in, tune into this, because this is the surprise. When there's darkness, when there's emptiness, there is something else there. We see here that God was there. The Spirit of God hovered above the emptiness like a mother bird fluttering about. And so this is with your life, where you feel like there might be darkness, emptiness, and chaos. The Spirit of God is there. And what does God do to break into this void, to in, in, to, into this darkness. Verses three and four say this. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. What does God do to speak into uh, this emptiness and this darkness? The gentle words of let there be light. It's almost like God is, is gently calling it into existence. And this light was breaking into this darkness. And it would do it always what light does. It pushes the darkness away and darkness fled. And then God called it good. God called it, the Hebrew word is tov. God said, oh, this is good. We need to see this. From the beginning, God's word breaks into the darkness and the chaos of this world into this existence, and bring forth light, and this is good. Verse 5, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So this is the rhythm of how life and beginnings will always take place. 
There is darkness that comes first that will give way to light. Evening and then morning. Interestingly, this is why the Jewish community still uh, treats the beginning of the day as sunset because, uh, because night came before the morning. And this is just a helpful reminder for us in the rhythms of our life that darkness will give way to light. This is the rhythm of how God creates. For those in, in a season of darkness, you, need, you might need to hold on to that promise today. Though you might be living in darkness, await and listen for God's word that illuminates. And for me, one of the interesting parts about this is, where is this light coming from? The sun and stars will be created on day four, so where is this light coming from that's going into this darkness? What if there's a presence of light pointing to something greater? There's a greater radiance that God is using in this moment to create this new creation. John's gospel actually begins uh, in a way that is so helpful for us. If we could read the beginning of John's gospel, this is uh, what it says. It doesn't begin when Jesus Jesus was born in a manger. It goes all the way back. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. John is describing Jesus the Christ as the Word of God. And he was uh, God, and he was it with God in the beginning. Verse 2. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was what? The light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Isn't it a beautiful way that John is beginning his gospel in a way that echoes Genesis' beginning as well? That, that John is declaring that Jesus, the word of God, is that light which breaks into darkness and that darkness cannot overcome. So get a load of this. I think what is happening here is that we are giving a picture that Christ was there. Christ was there in the very beginning, the word of God that was spoken into existence, that Christ was there. And what do we see happening from the very beginning is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in this beautiful dance of creation, creating together. And from the overflow of this perfect community, God is creating things that are good. What if this good light that breaks into darkness can break into our lives as well? What if this is how we experience newness in our life? That something has to interrupt the void, interrupt where it feels formless. What I want to show you is that Moses has a similar experience in which we can see how God continues to create new beginnings in our life. Moses' story begins with tohu vavohu. The Hebrew people had gone through a great time of famine. They found refuge in Egypt, but ended up being made their slaves. They had a longing to be rescued. And Pharaoh began to to notice how many Hebrew people were there. And so he began to fear this Hebrew nation, this growing clan. And so he called for the death of all Hebrew baby boys. So it was in this time of mass genocide And within this darkness that Moses was born. In Exodus, what we find when Moses was born is his mother looked at Moses. And what does the mother say over this child? He is good. 
He is Tov, the same word that God spoke from the beginning. God is recreating this a good work in the midst of darkness. And through a, a crazy twist of events, uh, Moses' mother did the unspeakable thing where she put him in a basket and put him on the river, hoping somehow that God would rescue him. And through a, a, this crazy twist of events, the basket goes and finds Pharaoh's own daughter. And she draws them out, out of the basket, out of the river. The word Moses literally means to be drawn up. And that's what God would do with Moses again and again, to draw him up. And his life would be spared by Pharaoh's daughter. And he would end up living as an Egyptian prince. He would live within Pharaoh's household. But he would also know that he has uh, a conflicted identity. Because he would know that his true identity is with the Hebrew people. But here he would be as an Egyptian prince in, in power and comfort while his own were out there enslaved. And I think within him, I think that dual identity probably did a couple different things. One thing it would do is probably make him consider, I wonder what God's going to do with me. The purposes that God has for me. Because I'm in set apart, I'm over here, and I wonder if God has great plans for my life. Then the other thing that probably happened was that Moses was probably also just really conflicted of, who am I? Am I, am I Hebrew? Am I Egyptian? And he'd probably sometimes identify with his Hebrew people, but then he'd find himself comfortable in that palace. And then sometimes he'd probably identify more with of, of being the Egyptians, and he would remember his own mother, his own cousins, his own family out there making the bricks. And I think this, this conflict bubbled up to the point where one day he was watching an Egyptian beating a Hebrew and Moses took things into his own hands and, and murdered the man. In the same darkness in which he was born into, he extended the same murderous darkness. And what did Moses do after the word got out? Moses ran. He ran into the desert. He ran to the place, uh, the most common use of the word tohu vavohu is actually used for the describing deserts. Where it was dark, it was formless, it seemed chaotic. And this is where Moses ran. He lived in the deserts for 40 years. 40 years he was stuck there. He was wandering. Then, on a night like any other night, in the inky darkness of the desert, something happened. Something went into the void. You could say that the Spirit of God was hovering over that darkness Moses led his sheep to the west end of the wilderness, and there he saw a bush that had caught on fire. There was this light coming into the darkness. But this fire did not consume. It just illuminated. What breaks into this void? What breaks in this darkness? It was light in God's word. Just like in day one of creation, light in God's word broke into Moses' darkness the very same thing that we found in the first day of creation. This is how we experienced new beginnings. God's light and God's word breaking into our lives. And watch how this encounter goes with God. Between God and Moses, watch how this encounter goes as, as a part for us to consider our own life. This might be how we experience new beginnings as well. Exodus 3, 3, through, uh, 3 and 4. 
So Moses saw this fire and said, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Now this might be small, but I think the, the scripture's inviting us to notice something here. When does God choose to speak? Was it from this fire? No, Moses actually had to do something. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, that God was watching to see if Moses was attentive enough to actually come closer to the light, to be drawn closer to the light. And when God saw that Moses drew close to that, then God spoke. When God, when God saw that Moses was drawing close, then God chose to speak. I think there's something about that for us when we want to experience beginnings, we need to be attentive to what God is putting in front of us. We need to be attentive to what God is putting in front of us and draw close to it with a sense of faithfulness and curiosity. New beginnings await people who are willing to seek out the light in this world. And I'm afraid that so many times I'm so distracted, I'm too busy to draw close to what God puts in front of me. We wish that this world had neon signs for where new beginnings would be. But I wonder if, for us to experience newness of our life, I wonder if there's just lit up bushes around our life for us to draw close to that God could speak. We wish that beginnings would make themselves known to us like neon signs, giving us advance warnings. But I think that beginnings quietly wait for us in the corners of our lives like a polite stranger, unsure if they're welcomed in. The Spirit of God hovers, watches, waits. And what Moses will soon find out was that this light was there because God was there. The same voice that spoke into the darkness, let there be light, now is speaking to Moses. Verse 5, God's voice said this, Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. What you thought was emptiness and formless and void is actually holy ground. You probably don't think that the darkest moments are sacred and holy, but oftentimes when you look back, you see how God was there in a profound way. Many of the moments we usually want to fast forward through in our life, when we look back, we see how they were sacred and holy. In verse 6, then he said, I, this is what God says to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And it was at that that Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. It's interesting for me how God chooses to reveal God's self, how this was used by God for God to declare his name to unstick Moses from this point where he was fixated, to, to get him dislodged moving here. What does he say to Moses who he is? I was with your father Abraham. I was with uh, Isaac. I was with Jacob. And now Moses, I'm your God too. Though you might feel like you're a world apart from where you used to be in Egypt, I am here. I'm reminding you who you really are. Just as you had heard of the legacy of who I was with your forefathers, so I'm going to be with you. God was there to remind Moses who he truly was. 
And many times for us to experience new beginnings in our life, we need to discover or we need to remember who we really are. Who we really are. Sometimes for us, the, the, the fastest way to begin again is to remember who we truly are. But God's light not only reminds us of who we are, but the light also reminds us of why we are. God didn't just want to give Moses a warm and fluffy spiritual mountaintop experience that Moses could go back down to his sheep and live his life as he had. God didn't want to alter Moses' life. He wanted to transform it. God wanted to reclaim Moses and reclaim the God-given purpose that Moses had on his life. In verse 7, this is what God said. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. This is who God is. He hears the cries of those people who have been oppressed. He's concerned about it. In verse 9, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. The Spirit of God was not just hovering over Moses, but more importantly, the Spirit was hovering over the darkness of slavery and oppression, over the injustice of Pharaoh's ways. If you want to know where God is in this world, look at the oppressed. Look at the injustices of this world. God surely will be found there. Surely will be found there. We've experienced this as a church. When we've gone out to the refuge to to be the church, put on a worship service, and give a meal to girls who have been rescued from sex trafficking. Although it's this dark, we know the Spirit of God is there as God is recreating innocence in these girls' lives. We've experienced God's presence as we've done something as small as finding elderly people who are stuck in their home, and you have driven them with the Drive a Senior program. You've driven them to do the most basic thing so that they know that, that they're not alone. You have experienced God there. You've experienced God at Casa Marianella with people who have found refuge and here in Austin who are looking for a fresh start, looking for a new beginning. And in, instead of not being welcomed, they were lavishly welcomed, found home here. You've experienced God there. You've experienced God over and over again. You've experienced God at Safe Place when you've helped uh, children. You've just given delight to children who experience abuse at the hand of their own family. If you ever want to know where God is, look in those places, the dark places in this world. And God met Moses on that dark night so that Moses could not only be transformed internally, but he could be an agent of transformation in this world so that Moses could hear these next words in verse 10. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. From this moment of unexpected life, Moses found liberation, but he was also called to liberate the Hebrew nation too. You see, the flow of God's renewing work never ends with us. It never ends with us. God was aware not only of the darkness of Moses' life, but also aware of the darkness in the Hebrew nation, how they were enslaved. And Moses' new beginning was connected to their new beginning. This is what God's doing. 
God always creates us for new beginnings so that we could go in this world and partner with God to create new beginnings too. In this conversation even, God says to Moses, this will be a sign. This will be a sign to you. I'm going to give to you. I'm going to show you that I'm a promise maker and a promise keeper. You're going to return to this mountain. I'm going to bring you back to this mountain. After you go and demand my people to be set free, I'm going to bring you back here. But not just you. You're going to bring all of them. You're going to bring the whole people, and you're going to meet with me here to show them that this sacred ground that you met with me is for them too. What we see in this, that darkness, that there is God, and with, when there is God, there's always life anew. Maybe that description of darkness and void and emptiness and chaos might sound familiar to your life. Or maybe you entered into 2020 feeling a bit like Mo- Moses. I'm sure Moses, as he was spent his time with his sheep, I'm sure many times he had flashbacks to his time in Egypt, his time with his family, and maybe the dreams of his youth would come back to his mind, how God would use him to maybe set the people free. And then all of a sudden he would come to and he'd find himself in the middle of nowhere, in a desolate wilderness by himself. And I'm sure Moses would say the words that many of us have often said when we have a moment of clarity and we say the simple words of, how did I get here? How did I get here? What I think someone might need to hear today is that same voice that spoke light into the darkness on the first day of creation, the same voice that came to Moses within that burning bush can come to you today and says, I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you yet. I'm ready to bring about something new. Are you ready to behold it? Are you ready to take notice and draw closer? You see, God is not a fan of status quo. He's not a fan, he's not a cheerleader for stagnant religion. God does not care for a faith life that doesn't require imagination and courage. What God wants is to make you unstuck. God wants to take you deeper. God wants to grow you and show you the richness and the beauty of life and life with God. Though it might have been a while, God wants you to hear his voice again. Light was there for Moses because God was there. And I just want to begin just this year by asking the simple question is, do you think that you can meet with God in your life right now to bring about the newness and what you dream for, and what you desire, where you have given up that there could be life again, vibrancy again, adventure again, that you could experience that God-given purpose for your life again. This is the transforming work of newness that God loves to bring about. God is a transforming God. God is not only a creator, but God is a good recreator. God is in the business of transformation, taking darkness and declaring, let there be light. See, God was in the work of taking a man who fled Egypt in fear, and God sent him back a new creation so that he could look at the most powerful person in his world and say, you got to let my people go, Pharaoh. This is who God is. This is what God does. He breaks into darkness and illuminates who we really are and why we really are. This is what Jesus would do again and again. A light from heaven broke into the darkness on the night in which Jesus was born and nations would come to him. Jesus would step into the darkness of injustice and bring about the light of reconciliation and peace. Jesus would find people stuck in disgrace and sin 
and speak words that would transform them from the inside out. Though this world calls you something else, I call you good. Jesus would come to the sick and the hurting and bring about a healing light. Jesus would then go into the dark chasm of death itself. And upon that cross, when Jesus died, our scripture said that even the sun went dark. And upon that Easter morning, though, guess what overtook that darkness? Light broke into the darkness and everything changed. No longer will anyone be stuck in despair and hopelessness and chaos. That transformed and resurrected Savior would promise never to leave us, never to surrender us to death and darkness and sin. And in the end, Jesus promises the great promise that, behold, I will make all things new. This is surely your plan for our life, God. This is God's plan for you. He will make you new. And darkness will flee. Do you need that today? Do you need that light from Jesus today to walk you to newness again? If so, this, this series is for you. And more importantly, if so, this Savior is for you.